Sam Bakeman Freed was 19 years old, about 19 years old, uh, about when this post was posted in 2010. And I just want to read, this is going to be a little bit long, but it's really interesting. I want to read uh, what this post says. So it says, first off, and this is a review of someone using this drug. First off, I'm a 19-year-old male, about 170 pounds, who is experimenting with nootropics out of curiosity. A few months ago, I ordered a bottle with 60 doses of 5 milligrams of selagiline from a research chemical site, and it looked, and I've been taking it pretty much every day. The day I started taking it, I noticed a marked increase in motivation. For me, it was money. There was a huge desire for me to make as much money as possible. All right, what's going on? We have an awesome episode. So we're going to start off by talking a ton about controversy. In fact, this entire episode, it feels like it's about controversy. So the first part is on FTX, and we talk about the drugs that they are on. And it's kind of funny, actually, uh, how ridiculous it is. The second thing we talk about is Liver King. You guys have to hear this story. It's about this yoked guy who's like this fitness influencer who's built this $100 million company. Turns out he's been on steroids the whole time. But in my opinion, that's actually not the most interesting part. The most interesting part is like these emails that we got our hands on uh, about him talking about how he was going to get huge on Instagram and he totally called his shot. Uh, and then we talk about buying and selling high, high, uh, really expensive real estate. We're talking like things that are like 30, 40, $50 million and how this one woman, Katie, bought some real estate that kind of sent some signals to, to Sean and how he thinks it's a little a little mysterious and how she actually afforded that. It's a really, really interesting story. So check it out. I think you're going to like this episode. All right, we're live. I have two interesting things to bring up to you. And right. I think they're both pretty hilarious. Hit me. The first one. We've talked about FTX. We've talked about Sam Bakeman Freed. But something in, in the, the next two segments, I completely ripped off uh, a YouTube channel called More Plates, More Dates. So I don't want to take credit for any of this. Something that's interesting is that these guys were doing drugs like like sometimes they call them nootropics, but they're really just amphetamines or drugs. And they were talking about it publicly. We're looking back. It's just hilarious how blatant this was. <laughs> and they just were rubbing it in our face. And so I, I want to talk about that. Do you know anything about that with these folks? Uh, so I know what you're talking about. I know that they were kind of like open about it, promoting it, but not... Uh, but you, like like you said, this wasn't seen as too much of a red flag. It was sort of almost like, oh, man, this is that like ultra competitive nerd thing where they're like basically, you know, I guess doing Adderall and making all this money. So, you know, so when you're making money, it's like not seen as as much of a bad thing. When you scam people and lose everyone's money, then it's like these drugs are a problem. All right. So this YouTube channel, it's called More Plates, More Dates. It's the guy who breaks down like what drugs different celebrities are for different roles, whatever. And he goes into in-depth analysis on it. And it's pretty nerdy, but it's quite awesome. And he did this thing talking about uh, FTX and the drugs that uh, Sam Bankman fried was on. And a few interesting segments. The first thing. So basically, this whole FTX sa saga, it boils down to like two interesting people. So Sam Bankman fried who's like the leader, and then like his right-hand woman. Uh, what, what's her name? Caroline? Caroline yeah. Ellison, I believe. So in April 5th, 2021, here's listen to this tweet that she, she put out. Nothing like regular amphetamine use to make you appreciate how dumb a lot of normal, non-medicated human experiences. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, she's running Alameda Research, which has 
billions of dollars under management and she's making huge decisions. And she tweets out the dumbest thing. This morning I was lying on the couch reading a book. Then I decided to go for a hike, but it took me like half an hour from the point to muster the energy and motivation to actually get from the couch. I guess this means this is when she wasn't on drugs and the hike. It was good. My body had no problem making the countless exertion of effort involved in ascending and climbing this, whatever. But the second dumbest thing that I realized is that apparently there's about a 20% of my brain that's dedicated to food. So when you're on amphetamines, you don't worry about food. And th- she's just tweeting this in the in the open. You know, this is like <laughs> this is she's just telling us all to go fuck ourselves. You know, all the, all of the, the like it's just it's that's hilarious that that like looking back that that was actually a thing that she's just openly talking about this and it's and it's wild. And I actually said that openly. She had a Tumblr where she says she wants to date a guy who's. Uh, like wants to conquer the world and wants to dominate global governments, like control governments, control governments. And I thought that this is like, that's my kink. That's what I'm into. (laughs) It's so funny. And so uh, another interesting thing is there's this picture of SBF of, of Sam and he's sitting at his computer and you see like a patch on his arm and you see a wrapper, like a, uh, like a, like it looks like a food wrapper on his desk and people start analyzing it and they realize that this picture Basically, and this is actually Autism Capital, my favorite, uh, my favorite source of news. <laughs> they actually tweeted this out, and they go, "If you look closely, it's actually a stimulant patch that uh, Sam that Sam was wearing, and it's called uh, EMSAM, which is basically a drug normally used to treat depression or Parkinson's, but for off-label use, people use it for alertness and focus benefits. And so they go down and, and they talk about it. So EMSA." E-M-S-A-M, that's the brand name drug, but it's really, uh, what is it? Uh, how do you Cel- pronounce that? Celagiline, I don't know. Celagiline, I believe is what it's called. And it has fatal effects if it's eaten with meat products, which is interesting because SBF was a vegan. So that kind of checks out. And the downsides of it are that it is linked to impulse control disorders, such as pathological gambling and hypersexuality, which could lead to some of the weird things that that Sam was doing. And here's what's even more interesting. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI-powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before, that required tons of human agents. But now, with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. In March of 2019, there was this uh, like website that was built for users of this drug. And in 2019, this person left a post and it said, uh, where basically he was reviewing his thing. And at the time, if you do the math, Sam Bakeman fried was 19 years old, about 19 years old, uh, about when this post was posted in 2010. And I just want to read, this is going to be a little bit long, but it's really interesting. I want to read uh, what this post says. So it says, first off, and this is a review of someone using this drug. First off, I'm a 19-year-old male, about 170 pounds, who is experimenting with nootropics out of curiosity. A few months ago, I ordered a bottle with 60 doses of 5 milligrams of selagiline from a research chemical site, and it looked and I've been taking it pretty much every day. The day I started taking it, I noticed a marked increase in motivation. For me, it was money. 
There was a huge desire for me to make as much money as possible. I'd never been a material person at all, although I had money. I never thought about doing anything with it other than spending it. I guess some might say that, and then the arrow kind of screws me up on Twitter, but some might say that um, possessing money is a bad thing, but the feeling was and is nothing short of complete empowerment. I love doing math problems in my head involving money. The thinking was so clear. From having a bit under $500 in the bank to having over $10,000 in two months that I had, since I had started taking the drug. Of course, I can't quite disclose how I made this money, but I have to say that I engage in activities that I probably wouldn't have without Celagiline. Uh, and then I'll, I'll kind of like skim the rest of the stuff. But it says, I was motivated to use better vocabulary while speaking to people. I used to be pretty goofy and not many people took me seriously. But now when I talk, people listen. There's a notable increase in strength in my voice. And I would say I probably had low confidence before taking this. And now the words that I say, instead of saying may I form, it's I will. It makes, it makes people tend to look... It makes me tend to look down on most people, but not in such a way that it would affect friendships. Although a few friends mentioned to me that I changed because of my general mindset. This probably sounds incredibly cocky, but it's true confidence. I'm still nice to people. It's just that... I. It's just now they seem. It's just now that I look more confident. Another benefit is emotional numbing. Before taking this, I would jump on any chance to be with a decent-looking girl, and I'd become attached pretty quickly. On it, I'm completely rational, and my emotions my emotions are never affected by my thinking. I'm not even looking for a girlfriend until one can rationally show me that she's really worthy. Girls love to play the game, to say the least. I'm a calmer. I'm calmer with a, without emotional outbursts. When I get upset with people. I simply use my enhanced charisma to undermine them rather than losing control. This is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I thought you were going to have a bit of that. Like, are you trying to take this right now? Will? No. Like, my enhanced charisma, my increased desire for money. <laughs> No, this well, is patch with my first million in it, <laughs> dude. I uh, I was prescribed Ritalin for my like when I was in fourth grade, and I took it for one year, and it was the fucking worst. Since then, I've never taken any of this crap, so I hate it. I hate these amphetamines. But this is a pretty good commercial. This <laughs> is pretty great. great. <laughs> this is pretty awesome. It's also like, what if this is him? What if this yeah. actually is him it's describing like, okay. it? It, it's probably not him just by odds, but way Maybe. more fun to assume that it is him. And, you know, as we say, F this guy. So, so yeah, it's him as far as I'm concerned. But but even if it's not him, this this person, it, if you go to the website, by the way, where this forum, it, it's like a nerdy forum. Like I it, it definitely like there's no evidence, but it adds up to where like oh, I could I could I could see that this could be him. Um, but even if it's not him, the way this person describes it. Makes a lot of sense for how this guy behaved. No excuses, but like this guy yeah, was crazy. I, I, I feel like these are going to become excuses for his behavior. No, I'm. I'm. There's no no excuses. This guy is it. This guy is. Um, th- he did all of this under his own control and volition, and, uh, and that's that's where I that's where I stand. Well, it's, there's no excuse because they just bragged about it. You know, he tweeted <laughs> he tweeted it another thing where he goes, "The best thing I do is take stimulants in the morning and then sleeping pills when I have to go to bed," and then. I'll just round this out. I didn't. This was another funny thing. The uh, (laughs) this just explains why this is not an excuse. The former co-chief executive of Almeida, he bought a boat shortly after stepping down in August, only months before the trading firm collapsed. And he named his boat that he bought Soak My Decks. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't write this uh, stuff. But did you know, like the you know, one of the, like the sort of most damning things about how FTX collapsed? I feel like this kind of gets lost in the shuffle of there's a whole bunch of details and it's kind of overwhelming. But one of the truly unbelievable parts is that they just lost track of $8 billion and he called it poorly labeled fiat accounts. And what this actually was, his explanation, as far as I understand, is at the beginning, FTX, when they launched the exchange, they're trying to move fast, kind of scrappy startup thing. They didn't have their own bank account. And he was running Alameda before that. So they're like, oh, cool. Just send the money to Alameda and then we'll, we will give you the credit in your FTX account. And they never trued it up. They never moved the money from the Alameda account to the FTX account. It just accrued in the F in the Alameda account. And then they just used it to trade. So the, the money literally never even made it to the bank account of the, of, of the, of the company itself. And that's what he meant when it was like, people are like, did you loan the user's money? Did you, did you do this against the terms of service? Did you, uh, did you lend this out or give this away to your other company? It's like, no, actually, I never even got it. It went straight to their bank account. I never even realized it. Uh, we forgot to like connect the link later. And so $8 billion of deposits just went straight to Alameda and never even touched FTX. And we were just like, it was just being like you know, lazy. marked on the account. Yeah. L lazy, unorganized or fraudulent, right? Like you, you take your pick, you know, pick pick three <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And so uh, that, that I thought was crazy. So, you know, these stimulants aren't, aren't so stimulating if you feel like forgot to, to like, you know, pick up the $8 billion that you, you know, your business is generating. Like if you get beyond the fact that people are hurt here, which is a big deal, but get beyond that. It's hilarious. <laughs> You're like, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like this is like, it, it, like just what's funny is how ridiculous this is. And, and I fell for it too. But uh, it, it it's wild. This is a wild story. And I want to see like um, you ever seen the movie Miss Congeniality where Sandra Bullock yeah, goes sure. from this like, you know, butch cop to like a beauty pageant queen and they like transform her. I want to see the version of that for FTX, which is like Sam is this normal looking that guy. They're like, you know, grow out your hair. He's like, what do you mean? It's going to look completely disheveled. They're like, yes, disheveled equals genius. And they're like, hey, when you're walking, turn your knees in. He's like, ah, that's a little uncomfortable. They're like, you need to walk like this, okay? And they're like, hey, you, you, know, here's some, you need to put this patch on. And they're like, hey, um, can you start saying things like, you know, this is a 12 Sigma event. He's like, what does that mean? They're like, don't worry about what it means. It sounds provocative. <laughs> and so, they, you know, they're training him to be this like, you Dude, know, by the way, autistic hero, uh, you know, nerd that everybody's going to believe in. He's the type of guy who probably wears a backpack wherever he goes and he doesn't walk. He runs. He's that type of guy. Did, well, did you see the clip of him running through the Bahamas? Was he running? It's hilarious. Somebody found, said there's a clip posted on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm sure your your, um, your boys at, at Autism Capital have it on their feed. But basically, it's like SBF on the run. And it's literally him wearing a backpack running. And he's doing the run where, you know, like most people run like this. You put your hands behind your back. He just had straight arms. And so he was just swinging his straight arms and running. <laughs> That's like, how they run, man. Like a penguin running as fast as he could just down the street. And they're like, where is he going? <laughs> God, that's crazy, man. This whole story is crazy, crazy, and crazy. He, he came, some more stuff leaked yesterday or like he did it. He did a random interview with somebody who's like, you know, a YouTuber with 10,000 subscribers. He like decided to give her the scoop. And he's like, um, she's like, uh, she, she goes, 
So what, you know, she addressed each of the concerns. She's like, so, you know, when you guys reopened withdrawals, but only for the Bahamas, where people felt like maybe, you know, the employees, yourself included, and insiders could cash out and everybody else was stuck. And there was like 24 hours where you guys, you know, people in the Bahamas could withdraw and nobody else. What was that about? And, um, you know, previously they had said, oh, the Bahamas government ordered us to do this. That's what that's the first lie he had told. Um, and then the Bahamas government came out and said, we didn't do that. What are you talking about? So that was kind of debunked. And so then on this call, he just goes, yeah, um, that was a decision, you know, we had to make because, you know, it's funny. You don't want to be in a country where everybody's angry at you. So we had to do that just you know, because FTX is based in the Bahamas. We just didn't want to be in a country where everybody was mad at us. It's like, what? This is literally, you're, you're saying this out loud. Like that was your reason for this. Like you didn't want to get like beat up basically. Like Dude, you, didn't want, how, you didn't want to get your how, door kicked in by the government. How can you have. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, if you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's get beyond like the crime. Now, this is the stage of a criminal's period where you're supposed to shut the fuck up. You don't talk. Yeah. You say, I plead the fifth. Where's my lawyer? I don't talk. I go Bro, silent. he's going on tour. He's going on tour. He's at, <laughs> speaking at a New York Times uh, summit with Zuckerberg and like, all oh, you know, these politicians. I think Mike Pence is speaking there. He's going on tour. I think that's today, by the way. I think he's he's yeah, he's going on tour. And I don't think he has any idea what he's set, trying to say, because uh, none of it makes sense. None of it sounds good. And both just, his parents are lawyers incriminating himself more. Yeah, both his both parents his, are lawyers. <laughs> exactly. And then he tweets out this dumb stuff where he's just tweeting like letters as a joke. This guy yeah. is just, what the hell? <laughs> You're, you you shut up. You don't say a word. Don't say a word. You shut no, up. I, and I, you, I hope he keeps talking. Keep talking. Keep talking, boy. Yeah, keep, keep talking. I just want to hear, hear what you got to say. Let, you know, go ahead. Build your own trap. That's fine. It's crazy. So I had to bring that up. And then another scandal. You, you want to, Can I give, tell you one more interesting scandal? Sure. This might be less interesting, but it's interesting nonetheless. So we talked about this guy named Liver King a while ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, Liver King. The uh, Just for those who don't know, the ultimate meathead. This guy looks like a caveman. He's absolutely jacked. And he's just like always eating like raw, you know, kidneys from a cow, like and he, he's just butchering it and eating it. So he basically the background story is this guy owns a company called Ancestral Supplements or something like that, where it's all like liver and meat organ supplements, which I think that's great. I, I, I like the people who I like follow. They're like, yeah, that's like fine. That's a fine. You're, you're in the demo. Take. Let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I guess that's good for you. When they so did that, their persona. It, it was called their, you know, they're like instead of Joe Smith or you know Jane Doe, they were like, okay, so Sam Parr is online. How are we going to talk to him? How are we going to get this guy to buy our like liver tablets? So it came out yesterday that basically this was another more plates, more dates thing. 
that more plates, more dates, this YouTuber, his name's Derek. He got a hold of these email exchanges back and forth with a doctor that Brian Johnson, who's the liver king. So basically, this guy looks huge. He's yoked. He has millions of followers and he makes $100 million a year on supplements. They have these documents, uh, these emails back and forth of Brian ex- saying, hey, uh, I'm going to get popular on social media in the next month or two. I need to look totally shredded. Here's the steroids I currently take. I spend $15,000 a month. And here, what else should I be taking? Um, and so, spoiler alert, he's on steroids. But that's not the interesting thing. He's on lots of steroids. And the reason this is a big deal is for, for the past year or two, he's gone on podcast and he's explicitly said, there's not a chance I'm on steroids. No, I'm not on steroids. I only do this because I eat my liver, which you guys should buy too at my website. So that's shady, but whatever. He's on steroids. But here's what's interesting. I wanted to call out a couple of different things in the emails that he wrote. So he says, let's dig right in. As it relates to my goal, I'm the face of several brands, including ancestral supplements. And I've hired a team to build the Liver King brand with the goal of 1 million followers by 2022. I looked it up. He had he wasn't even really on. He had zero followers. He had like single digit thousand followers when he when he wrote this in an email. And he hit a million followers before this number, uh, before March 22. That's pretty impressive. He says, uh, I've hired a film crew who, who's living at my house and they're filming. Uh, they're filming constantly. And I got to stay in great fucking shape year round. And what's interesting is that he nailed it. This guy totally <laughs> called his shot and he hit it. And even though he's a liar, I respect that. And so he basically says that he goes, um, I live on uh, I live on a fa- 15 acres on the lake and have everyone come to me. My ranch is 500 acres of paradise. I don't go out to eat. I don't go bowling. I don't go to the movies. I stay home and people come to me. That was kind of interesting. But here's another funny thing that he wrote. The doctor asked him all these different questions about like what foods he's allergic to, what his current uh, daily routine is, what type of foods he's eating. And then he says, what type of food? (laughs) This is funny. What type of food do you like to eat that isn't bodybuilding related? None. Even when I eat sushi, I have a sushi chef come over and make it exactly how I want it. If I ever have ice cream, my my wife makes a colostrum ice cream made out of First milk colostrum, I don't know what that is, egg yolks, vanilla extract, and a little maple syrup. And then listen to this. He goes, You should come over and fuck some of this shit up with me, Doc. <laughs> 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 and uh and then he says, uh the doctor says, How's your mood uh as you go deeper in your diet? Can you function and continue with your jobs and deal with friends and family? Or does it become increasingly difficult to maintain your obligations, you know, outside your bodybuilding goals? Listen to this response. I can do anything. I'm unequivocally strong in mind, heart, and spirit. And <laughs> even though this guy's a liar, I kind of dig it. I yeah, kind of dig this attitude. Let's this get is- your moral code straight. All right. Guy, proven liar, borderline scammer for lying about you know what Total. was causing his gains. Um, weirdo. Absolute weirdo. Absolute weirdo. <laughs> In his daily but routine, he goes first totally thing in the morning. Totally redeemed himself in your eyes. Totally redeemed himself. No, not not quite. It, it's kind of like Lance Armstrong. Cheated, sued people for saying he cheated, ruined people's reputation, but was a real competitor. Real, and, real competitor. Came on the podcast. Gotta but, love the guy. Yeah, so like, Make you time know, for us, you're good in my books. Pe- the, you know, people, you know, you know, my dad used to say, no matter how thin a pancake, there's always two sides to it. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a gem. Yes. 
So anyway, kind of interesting that this guy, he says he's spending, by the way, 15,000 a month on steroids. That's got any, uh, and he goes, I'll spend whatever. Like I, I need to get this done. So I just think it's interesting that he had a goal. He called his shot and he nailed it. That's called kind of shot, interesting. Was willing to go all the way and all in and um, did it his way. So, you know, there is, there is respect. We do put respect on his name, even though he was a liar and scammer. Um, that's uh, that makes sense to me though. I'm like, I'm with you. Other people might hear that and be like, what? I don't get it. I totally get it. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm absolutely the same way. Uh, by I the way, for people who are seeing Sam's camera go in and out of focus, we're just we're working on the, the new studio look. We got to figure out some settings. So just yeah, like, you know, bad. just have a seizure today. But by next episode, you're, you'll be totally fine. Um, all right. So let me give you one while we're on this top. Well, actually, I want to do two things. Number one, you've said the more plates, more dates guy a couple times now. Um you know, is that a dog whistle to try to get him to come on? Maybe could be, but totally um, it is. I love this guy, man. But you also tweeted something out the other day, and I think he's a good example. You said something like the following. You go to have a great podcast. You need there are like three factors. And I think you said unique slash amazing content, uh, unique slash amazing delivery. And then the last one is unique slash amazing perspective. So like you have specific knowledge or insights that like, you know, the average person doesn't have. And you said you need at least one to have a, a successful podcast. Um, two is two is great. Three would be unbelievable, but extremely rare. And you got a bunch of replies to this. Um, and I would I want to first ask you about I want to ask you a little bit about that, but also Let's use this guy, Derek, from More Place, More Dates as a, as, a, as a case study here. I think he's a perfect example of what you're doing. So unique, amazing content. Before him, I didn't see any YouTube channels. I'm sure there were some, but they were, nobody was popular. But there wasn't like a common, it wasn't a common content category to be like, I'm going to make videos speculating, is this dude on steroids? And if so, what roids do I think it is? That's his, that's his entire from premise a, of his channel. From a non-judgment perspective. This guy, yes. Derek, says, yeah, here's what I use. He's um, not here's trying my to blood work. He's not trying to take them down. He's just trying to speak honestly about what he thinks. And he's like, oh, here's, my, here's my guess. Uh, if I'm this dude, I'm looking like this, this is what I'm doing. And you know, here's the evidence that I'm piecing together to make that, that claim. Yeah. And so unique content, check. Unique delivery. His delivery is actually very, very good. It's um, very good. He's because so funny. it's non-judgmental, because it's not overproduced, because he's not trying to sell you something during the thing. And he's just like humorous on laughing about it. So he does it without <laughs> like, there are other people that do this and they're either judgmental or they're like, aha, I'm ripping the mask off this scandal. Like I expose. And he's just like, He's like, like, you know, he'll like the guy will claim he's all natty. <laughs> like, all right, sure, bro. <laughs> like, whatever you say. Right. But like, I don't think so. Uh, and like, that's the level of like his delivery. And then and he, and, he, and he has a lot of really good phrases. Like he'll be like, oh, this guy's looking saucy here. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's <laughs> sauce to the gills. He just wants to be a little saucy. That's all right. Like he just has really funny, funny yeah, so ways. His of delivery is good. I don't even care about I don't have any interest in steroids. I don't even care if other people are taking steroids. I will watch his channel because his delivery is so good. He's so likable. Like he's very like who watches his channel is like I would be friends with him. And it's actually a self compliment. It's a self delusion that you think he would be friends with you <laughs> because the guy's like, just, a, he just seems like a good dude, a great hang. So I think that's the second one. Third amazing perspective. He has, a, he has that also, cause he actually has quite a bit of scientific knowledge, but also like street science. So like 
He's not just straight academic, nor is he just a meathead. He's got enough knowledge about the science while having enough, you know, sort of street smarts about what do dudes actually use when they're doing this stuff and how do they say it makes them feel? What do they say are the side effects? Dude, he's so good. And you want to know another interesting thing about him is no one knows his last name. So I actually tried to like Google and I only spent five minutes. I'm sure I could really find it, but he's done a really good job. Everyone just knows him as Derek from More Plates, More Dates. And you can't find a lot of inf like personal information about him. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Um... <laughs> and he records, I think he records every, I think he makes a video every single day. So he makes a video every single day and he's got 1.5 or 2 million subscribers and it's really good. And what's really fascinating is that there's guys like him who they don't call themselves journalists with a capital J, but they really are. You know, these guys are doing investigative journalism and it's quite good. It's better than a lot of different stuff out there that's done by the quote professionals. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, he, he's great. OK, so that's a good example. Um, should we can should we continue the theme of. Uh... By the way, for that for that podcast one that I quoted. I, I further, I said, um, I go, let's do all in for an example. Uh, their delivery, it's decent. I said it's decent, which I thought was like a compliment. But I was like, their delivery is is pretty decent. They're not like a comedian. You know, they're not like um, serial or like some like investigative thing. Where it's well, well produced and cut and edited and or, or like a unique format that we haven't seen before. It's like, you know, four dudes on a Zoom call. Yeah, four guys on a Zoom call, sometimes speaking through AirPods, and like they're quite funny, they're quite charismatic, but they're not like 10x better at that than other people yeah, who are. I'd say it's definitely above average. Like you know, the intros they do, the kind of ball busting, and like the way. Yeah, they but that's not ten open. times. That's not ten times better than the right. other people who are Just of that average. of yeah. that magnitude. I'm comparing them to like the other like people who are doing great. Yeah, uh, it's maybe better. It's maybe worse than a sum. It may be better than a lot. Uh, and then what else did I say? I said their delivery was 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 decent. Their content, like the the format and everything, that's just normal. It's just for people who are speaking. It's kind of rare that you well, have. Well, they're talking about current events, which is not like current events and news, which is not like um, super unique. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like super content angle, right? That in itself is not the unique part. But the thing that makes it amazing is that it's them it's four people who typically who are incredibly like ungodly successful potentially some of them are billionaires and they sit down every week and they talk about all types of stuff in an unfiltered way that is 10 times better than most things that are trying to become that and that's why they're awesome and people including jason i i, I think jason one of the hosts he was like i think he thought i was insulting him uh and i'm like no dude this is like this is a compliment i said like it's like, it's like saying like LeBron is like good at a lot. Like he's so, so such a great basketball player, but maybe he's not the best at blocking shots or whatever. Yeah. And people got mad at me and they're trying to pick a fight. And that was not my intention. I, I, to me, I was complimenting them. Yeah. 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 I, I thought you were complimenting them, but you have a way with words where you'll like, you'll add a little period after a word. You're like, it's decent period. And it, that, that kind of sounds like, you know, like, meh. Like there's, you gotta, you gotta watch the periods, dude. The periods totally change the tone. Like if you're using a period, like it's fucking Twitter. I have like 190 characters and you used one of them on a period and you, didn't, <laughs> you, you know, that, 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 that thing that adds, that adds the tone, right? I you, did not you gotta, mean it that way. I did not mean it that way. 
<laughs> uh, well, you also doubled down after he was like, you know, whatever he put the, I, I took that personally meme up there. Uh, you were like, you know, I said what I said. It's decent. <laughs> oh, I didn't double down. I, I don't backtrack. I'm like, dude, yeah, your delivery is like pretty good. You're not like Theo Vaughn. You don't say like the most like funny shit on earth. You say pretty great stuff. But whatever. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, the kind of guy that doubles down on a 17 in Vegas. <laughs> He's like, whoa, sir, are you sure? <laughs> I said what I said. Give me another card. <laughs> Our software is the worst. Have you heard of HubSpot? See, most CRMs are a cobbled together mess, but HubSpot is easy to adopt and actually looks gorgeous. I think I love our new CRM. Our software is the best. HubSpot, grow better. All right, so... I have one that's not, it's not in the category. We did SBF, liar, probably fraud, scammer, whatever. We did Liver King, liar, probably scammer, probably allegedly, whatever. This is not that, but I am calling this the curious case of Katie Hahn. That's right. Music for the what sound What was effect. that music? What was that music? <laughs> that's my new, that's my new, uh, like X-Files style music. Whenever we're getting into a, uh, a little case that makes me say, hmm, how does this work? So how do you spell this woman's name? I want to Google her while you're talking. Katie, like Katie as in Katie and then Han, H-A-U-N. Um, okay. So she, you know, I think you probably know of her, um, Seems like a great person. So, you know, uh, I think her her backstory is kind of like, uh, you know, went to Stanford Law um, and then worked, you know, for worked for the government. So she I, I forgot what her she was like federal prosecutor or something. It was her job title. Um, let me find my notes here. So. OK, so she uh, she goes to Stanford Law. Then she spends a decade as a federal prosecutor uh, for the, the DOJ. Um, and she's, you know, and then she creates at one time the government's cryptocurrency task force. And she, we know her because she was involved with or helped, uh, I think, after the fact with the Silk Road case. So the Silk Road was, you know, that website where people were buying and selling drugs and, you know, you could buy anything, assassination attempts. You could buy a lot of, a lot of crazy shit on there. Um, they eventually take Ross down in your, in your neighborhood, uh, in San Francisco. And after the fact, they, you know, have all this Bitcoin from, because Silk Road was using Bitcoin for most of the purchases. And so she's involved in that case. That's kind of how she got on my radar was she did a great interview with Tim Ferriss where she's talking about that story. So, you know, I hear the story. That's kind of amazing. Like, um, this person who like, you know, was just grinding it out as part of the government. And that's kind of was the impression I had of her was this like awesome civil servant. So imagine the look on my face when I hear that Katie Hahn just purchased a $41 million home in Atherton. $41 million home. What's going on? What's going on here, Katie Hahn? Like, what do you, how so, much you do know, you have to be worth to buy a $41 me million typing, home? Go, go to DOJ, average salary, federal prosecutor, 94000 to 150000 Okay. So she worked there for 10,000 years. No. Okay. That's not it. So what, what's, <laughs> what's been going on? So Katie Hahn at one point. <laughs> she, with that DOJ seller, she could pay her property taxes for a month. <laughs> yeah. The gardener is like, yeah. you know, her property is making that. So so, but you know, she, she made a switch. So she did the decade there and she's doing these, like, I forgot what you call them, like the Rico cases. It was like these crazy, like drug cases, cartel stuff. And then she makes the leap and she comes all of a sudden she's a VC. So, uh, she becomes a VC at Andreessen Horowitz in 
2018, she joins as a general partner. Uh, the year before that, 2017, she was named to the board of Coinbase. That's interesting. I guess like, you know, they wanted a, divor- a diverse board member who had a different background. Coinbase. Has no, a you of- can't. You can't say that she's a dive. I mean, that's bullshit. No, I'm saying like her, her work history. So she's not a business it, person. Okay. She's from like a regular, the regulatory, like, you know, okay, cool. side of things. That's her expertise. So that's a good person to have on your board. Somebody who know who was part of the government's cryptocurrency task force. Definitely see the value there. But how much value is what I got to ask? That's the question of the day. How much value? And what's this too much value? Okay. So she joins the board and she gets... Uh, so, okay, no, on the day of her IPO, it was worth $73 million. That was April 14th, 2021. And um, she sold pretty much the top. So she was selling at, uh, uh, you know, she was she was sold at that that price. And then she sold even more as it went up to, like, whatever, $300-something a share. Uh, it's currently trading, you know, for far less than that. So let's see what Coinbase is trading at today. Coin stock price. I think like 40-something bucks a share. Yeah, $41 a share. So and she sold at, at like, the whatever 300s 380 you know 380s wow. uh, type, type of range almost and 10 now times so, so sells the absolute top but what i have to the, the question i have and i'm not saying she did anything wrong or illegal yeah more power to you what i don't understand is why did this person get a hundred million dollars for sitting on the board is that not an outrageous number so like there i don't think there's any wrongdoing but god damn how did somebody make so much for doing so little like a board seat you know a board member does not work very hard for the company. A board member does not usually create this much value. I thought Isn't board members typically an, got like 250000 a year. Like yeah, that's the normal like year. board compensation. So what I want to know is why did this board member get $100 million? And um, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but that is the that is why it is the curious case of Katie Hahn. What, what, well, what you're asking this, this question. You're asking, the, this sounds like a leading question. It sounds like you have an opinion, but keep in mind, I'm looking just at her no, LinkedIn. I'm a, I'm it a looks dummy like about these things. I, she I, founded a thing called Han Ventures, which is, which has a $1.5 billion uh, fund that's focused on Web3. And I believe so she, she's the only partner. So the fees on that alone, two percent, uh, venture capitalist gets 2% management fees on, uh, you know, is typical. And her $1.5 billion fund, and she's the only partner. I think that's, $30 million per year that she takes as her management fee. That's fucking crazy. And when she was at Andreessen, uh, again, hard to know the exact specifics here, but like their, their A16Z crypto fund was $7 billion, I think, at the time. Um, there were five general partners. Uh, you know, so I don't, I don't know exactly if that, if that number is the total after Coinbase's exit or if that's what they raised. I haven't gone that, that far in, but like I think it's, it is – Believable that she was making thirty million dollars. That she's made thirty million dollars plus off of her slice of the Andreessen crypto fund before she left. Um, and by the way, I think her portfolio there, Coinbase was the only one that that has exited. There's Arweave, there's Autograph, there's Royal, there's a bunch of others. But like these are these are early early bets, right? Because we're only talking four years ago when she joined the fund. Um, so kind of crazy that somebody made a hundred hundred million dollars plus off of uh off of their board seat <laughs> after working board. for the government for 10 years after yeah and so i don't know what's going on i don't know if this is like a very fancy way of like buying favor in uh in washington it's like hey we're gonna get this veteran who's super plugged in you know great she gets this uh, you know really 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 capital really strong comp and um 
you know, she's going to make sure that the right people, you know, think favorably about Coinbase. Uh, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if this is standard. I don't think this is standard for what board members make. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Just very, what very did the other board members what's get? What's going on there? Did you look at the other board members? Um, they, during the S1, you could see kind of who the other major shareholders were. Um, I didn't see any of the other board members that were there, but I could I could be wrong. So there's Mark Andreessen is there, Fred Wilson. Those are the investors. Um Maybe, yeah, I mean, hers is just outsized. So like, uh, I don't know who, who is Gokul Rajaram. I think he's, uh, I think he might've been another board member. So let me see, Coinbase. I don't know if he worked there or if he was a board member. Um, but he got, you know, whatever he had was 600,000 shares. Hers was 5.9 million uh, shares. So like, you That's know, just definitely like a step, a step higher. Yeah, she, he was also a board member. So like, for some reason, she got 10 times more in her stock grant than this, this dude Gokul did. This is, yeah, hmm. this is wild. Things that make you say, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I, I agree. This Let is me, a very curious I will case. Also say, it could be a perfectly reasonable explanation for this. I don't know it. I would love to hear it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not owed any explanation either. I just thought this was weird. Cause I'm like, how the heck did this person who worked in the government for almost their whole career, except for the last three years, how are they buying $40 million pads? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then I looked at where the money came from and then that didn't make sense to me. But again, that might be my own limitation of, of, you know, knowing how this stuff works. Have you ever spoke to her or like heard her speak? I've heard her speak. Yeah. She's, um, She's, you know, whatever she tells cool stories. I, I heard her on a couple of podcasts. I have, she's invested, she's co-invested in some of the crypto deals that I'm in. So I'm not saying like, you know, she's a bad investor. If she is, then I, I probably am terrible. Um, so, so, you know, I don't know much about her from that angle, but there was one other funny thing. So there's this guy, uh, Liron, who, uh, uh, Liron Shapira. I don't know if that's, I don't know if I said that right, but have you seen this guy on Twitter? No. He's a fan of the Who's show. He? So he listens to the show. He is also the number one like crypto skeptic on Twitter. So his mission is basically to just expose the like, you know, like the fallacies, scams and hypocritical things about Web3. And so he tweeted this out uh, four days ago. He goes, OpenSea's large investor, Katie Hahn, claims that NFTs have many uses and invites us to check out her latest purchase. Okay, let's check. It goes to her profile on, on, uh, on OpenSea. And it's called Wrapped Moon Cat. And it's just like this purple <laughs> cat. <laughs> it's like, okay, um, that not only has no uses, uh, you know, besides just being a funny little purchase, her account has zero activity since June. If you weren't using NFTs yourself, maybe you shouldn't keep investing in the space. Uh, and, you know, so he's kind of calling her out of that. Now, of course, she could have other wallets or whatever, but like, it is a little strange that, you know, the kind of lead investors, you know, in, in OpenSea, the biggest, you know, uh, NFT platform doesn't seem to have much activity, you know, Dude, um, on the platform. Be, so a beyond weird. this woman, I've, I've like, do you, do you like look at Zillow and like read like the real estate, like trade magazines of like, you know, anytime someone buys like a $50 million home or $20 million home, I, I love reading that stuff. Do you ever read that stuff? Yes. And actually call to action. I want to, uh, I want uh, to, to know or help start uh one of these instagram accounts that's just featuring baller homes that ballers buy so like i just want like celebrity business celebrity kind of like just yeah. homes that 
rich people are buying? Like, who are they? How are they rich? And what's their home look like? Uh, I think that this would be a great Instagram account that I want to follow. And I, I don't know if that exactly exists. Uh, so so somebody start that, please. And, and message no, it to I, me. I, I love that stuff. And I always think about the economics of that, of like, how do people afford the, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollar homes? I want to know what the monthly nut is each month. If they have a, do you have to have a full time staff member just I mean, handling if you're buying things? That kind of home, there's no mortgage, right? I don't, that's not a mortgage. You're not, I don't know. What, what are you doing? Are you putting like getting like a forty million dollar mortgage? Like I don't. I don't, I don't know. That. That's why I want to know. I want to know. I want to know what the tax bill is. I want to know how they actually care for it. I want to know what their liquid position is and like how they finance it. If they pay cash, like what they do. Uh, when you have a forty million dollar home, is that like? Do you view it like, for example, when I think of a home? Uh, owning a home, I don't think of it as necessarily an asset. I think of it as like a store of value because they typically don't grow much more than inflation. And so like, do they view that as like an asset? Do they take care of it of like, like an asset? Like, I, I just want to know how they, how they account for it in their, in their net worth. There's so many fascinating things with owning these 40 and $50 million homes. I want to know all about how they work. And frankly, I just want to like have a one. huge pain I don't know any ass. of that shit. I just want to have one. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, you tip the, do you tip the landscaper? Do you not tip him? I was like, dude, who cares about all these details, man? I want to who bought it, how'd they get rich? What does it look like? And how can I get one? <laughs> Those are my four questions. I'm, I'm about that too, man. I just, I'm always curious about how that works. Because in, in, in New York, you see it like crazy. You see people buying 20, $30 million homes. And there's, you know, it's another shocking thing is how many of them there are. There's so many of them. I read this blog called Mansion Global, and they always talk about like different mansions that are being bought and sold. In New York, there's just so many of them. In San Francisco, there's not that many 20, 30, 40 million dollar purchases. In New York, it's constant. And it's like a fucking condo. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I told you this once, but um, when I was working with Michael Birch, he put up his he, he it's for sale right now, I think he put up his house in San Francisco. And so uh, been for sale for like house. three years, right? I think I was at his house and he's like, yeah, I was like, you're going to sell this place. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to sell it. I was like, so you bought this for like $30 million. He's like, yeah, it was like the, the highest purchase at that time, I think in San Francisco. And he's like, I was like, well, I was like, was that I was like, did you overpay? Are you going to have to sell that? Are you going to take a big loss on this or what? He's like, no, I don't think so. Uh, and so, he, and then when he came out and listed, he listed for $50 million, which it didn't Holy sell at shit. that. But, um, but, you know, that's kind of like the, the range here. And I was like, how do you even sell a house like this? You know, like, what's the process? Do you just put it on the MLS? Like, do you have open houses on Sundays? Like, no, it's a big problem. Hand out flyers. <laughs> and so he was like, no, actually, this is a, one of the ideas I wanted to talk to you about. Like, I'm thinking, like, what if we made a service for buying and selling these, like, only homes that are worth $10 million or more? He's like, because it breaks the traditional model. Like, you shouldn't pay 6% commissions to an agent. When the when the purchase price is twenty million or thirty million dollars, is that how much they pay? Well, that's just like the, the standard real estate model. Is that right? Is the five or six percent? And Michael goes and like tries to negotiate, and they're like, oh, you know, our paperwork already says six percent. Like it's going to be a hassle to like change <laughs> yeah, that six I'm to a one. To, I'm gonna have to hire somebody for the social media, and it's like, yeah, okay, like, you know, four thousand like, a month. Like, what are you talking about here? You know, like. It's like, look, I didn't make up the rules. I just thought them up and wrote them down. You know, like <laughs> so, we just. So he wanted to make a thing that was a service for only selling homes that are 10 million or more. It's a, it's a flat 1% commission. That's it. Because you could do 1% on a $20 million home and it's, it's pays for the actual service that was done by the person who's doing it. He goes, second, it's um, one broker, not two. 
So you have, um, you know, you, you're basically that you're going to take both sides. He goes, no open houses. Cause like people just want to walk through my house. They're not serious buyers. So basically anybody who does the, the open house tour, there's like on the website itself, you'd be like almost like an accredited investor. It's like you right. need to show that you are able to buy homes of this caliber in order to get access to the open houses. Um, I actually toured Michael's home. I was one of those people. I, I, I saw that they were having <laughs> finger sandwiches. Mud all up on your shoes. Yeah, I was like, oh, free sandwiches. <laughs> when I got there, I was Can so I keep bummed. Uh, like, yeah. The sandwich? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, what, no ham? <laughs> so so he's like, you know, that's one to be one difference. And then um he's like, you know, the the or he's like the the broker's commission on top of the one percent is just a tip based on how you felt the service was. Like if you felt like you were taken really good care of, then you can optionally tip. Um and so he had like this whole broker. plan and he's like, he's like, figure out how many of these houses sell a year. So I did some analysis and I was like, oh, there's, you know, I, for, I forgot it now. It was like seven or eight years ago, but it was thousands. Like, yeah. It was like, there's like, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 homes like this sold per year. Um, okay. So you back that out. Average home, let's say is 15 million. That's in this category. So that's X hundreds millions of, uh, of it was like in the hundreds of millions of sales, you know, so then your 1% commission would be X. And um, like, okay, how would you take the market? Oh, these are all your friends. Okay, that makes sense. We could get the first 100, 100 people just out of your network. That makes sense. Uh, we never pulled the trigger. I think we should have um, because I thought it was a great idea. I, in fact, I had a whole brainstorm with him, which is just like, yo, what are the one percenter problems? Like, tell me the the like, I got, you know, my problems sound like I can't even speak about my problems because they sound too privileged because they exist and nobody's talking about them and you know them we could build for them and you know, all the people that are in that group. So you could like kind of help bring those people on board of whatever service we make, we make. So, um, so yeah, that, that was, I think a, a good brainstorm in general. Dude, I think that's awesome. I think, uh, I can't decide if that would be a pain in the ass of people to work with, or if it would be the best person to work with, you know, like, are they, are they, or are they not going to nickel and dime you? If no, then yeah, it could be awesome. Well, I don't think it's necessarily about nickel and diming, but this is how I feel about all businesses that are based around influencers. Um, it sucks doing an influencer-based business because you are pretty much always groveling at the feet of these people who they should take your offer. It's in their best interest, but they are just busy and they have too many offers and they don't care. And even if they say yes, then they'll just flake on you. Even if they say yes, when it comes time to post the thing, It'll be done, half done. And you're like, oh, my God, this is like we really needed this to work. This was impo really important to our business. And like, you know, it's so difficult to do stuff like that. Of course, when it works, it works, right? Like, you know, you build one of the, you know, you build the whiskey brand with Conor McGregor or you, um, you know, you do the Honest Company with Jessica Alba. Like you could make it work for sure. But I hate influencer based businesses. I remember um I remember talking to a buddy who was building something around Twitch when we were both in the Twitch space and we're, Twitch is basically like, you know, there's a hundred streamers that matter. And if you can get them, everybody else will follow. And if you can't get them, it's very hard to make stuff work. And I go, I'm like, I'm like talking to him over, over dinner. I'm like, what about this strategy? What about this strategy? What about this pivot? And he just <laughs> he looked me in the eye. I'll never forget it. Cause I heard this and I ended up pivoting my business. Cause this just rang in my ears for so long. He goes, I'm just tired of sucking dick, man. <laughs> 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 I 
And I just met this person. I didn't know this. This is like my friend. This is somebody I met for a business meeting. And he said this to me. And I go, what? And I, I, I asked him what? And then I immediately knew exactly what he was talking about. It's the thing I had been doing for the last year, which was basically going and trying to get these like 20 people who really, really mattered to just like watch our demo, to like just say yes, to like just partner with us and like just agree to take our money to promote our thing. And I was like, he's right. I hate this. I really, really hate this. And we pivoted like three months later because I was like, this is terrible. This is a terrible style of business to build. Well, thank you, Katie, for bringing us to this topic. The curious (laughs) case of Katie Hahn. Yeah. Uh, Do I need to play the sound again? No. Okay. Dude, you're going to get DMs about this. So, well, I'm sure we're going to have a follow up. Dude, Andreessen already hates me, man. They, uh, Why Mark, do they hate you? Mark blocked uh, me again. He blocked why? me first for the clubhouse thread, which, by the way, not only should he not have blocked me, where's my where's my apology? Where's the, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I called that shit. That was, that was a bad investment. It was going to fail. I called it. Um, okay, so you know, he blocked me then. Then he unblocked me for some reason, and you know, I got a second chance, a second lease on life. Why did he unblock you? Just think about that through his head. Like, what was he going through his his going through his, what his settings to be like? Oh, let's just someone sends someone in the firm sends the post the thread. He clicks it. It says you can't view this. You have blocked the person. He's like, oh fuck it, right, unblock this person. So yeah, unblock. That's the only thing I can imagine how I would even show back up on his radar. I don't know. Maybe just laying in bed, going through his blocks, like, oh, I miss him. The one that got away. Yeah, like <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now. I wonder what he's up to now. Like, do you think we're staring at the same moon right now? He's looking at the sixty-five Indians who work for him, and he's just, like, I just need one more. <laughs> I just want more. <laughs> None of these are right. None of them are one. above six feet tall. I want a six-foot tall one. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but he unblocked me, and then the other day. Um, he blocked me again. I don't know. I don't know what I did. I'm not, I'm not even mentioning this guy. I think what I did was I, I put out that tweet that I said, like, you know, this year I've realized that like a lot of the things that I thought were smart money and you could just kind of follow them or just assume they know what's going on. Like there is no smart money in this space. FTX, everybody thought was the, the quant geniuses, quant genius traders and the fucking dummies and scammers. Um, and then, you know, Chamath, oh man, SPACs, this is the IPO 2.0. Oh, this must be great. Oh, nope. Spag collapse. You know, these are all. But you, know, you didn't mention lip, him. Lipstick on a pig. I did mention him. Oh, um, I didn't see that you specifically named him. No, no, I didn't name him. Mark Andreessen. I just said A16Z. Like, uh, I got you it. Know, whatever. I wasn't trying to pick on anybody. I was just saying like, yeah, look, you were. the most prestigious names um, also make a bunch of bets that don't work out. That's part of their business model. This is what I was trying to say. It's part of their business model. You can't look at any one bet in isolation and say, well, if they did it, it must be it must be good, it must be smart, it must like they must know something I don't know. In fact, trust your own gut, trust your conviction, trust your research, um, because you know you don't know their whole portfolio, you don't know their strategy, and they're going to make mistakes. That's part of like venture investing. So like you know don't don't just assume because the really smart person who you like to listen to um, invest in this that doesn't mean it's a good investment necessarily. Um, Do you think that having like being an asshole on the internet, like I don't think you and I are assholes, but both of us sometimes get into it with other people. Do you think that we dip our toes? Yeah. Just just a tip. Do you think that that is going to bite us in the butt or that it helps us? Or should we just go the nice guy route? Like, like (laughs) I can think of a few guys who are assholes and it's paid off for them or not assholes, but like, like Scott Galloway and Jason Calcanus both cause a fuss. They get into it with people and it's, and I would say been a net positive for them. There's a few other examples where I can just say it just has ruined the reputation. But do you think? And then there's other guys who like who, Jason who, Lemkin. Who did it? Ruin do you know the Jason reputation? Lemkin? 
I don't know. I mean, there's people I follow where I'm like, oh, you're just a joke. And not even I don't even want to mention them because uh, I, I just don't want to do that. But there's people who <laughs> because I, I can't I think, think of them. <laughs> no, I definitely can. I'll tell you off air. But like I, you, I, I messaged you one the other day where I'm like uh, this person. I just it's it's yeah. they're working through some stuff. OK, gotcha. Uh, and anyway, I just think that uh, like sometimes it hurts the reputation, but other times it's like it's definitely been beneficial where there's guys like, you know, who Jason Lumpkin is. I love Jason. He does Saster. Yeah, he's great. It, just generally a positive person. And I never say hear him. He goes out of his way not to disrespect people. Right. Another guy's Nathan Barry goes out of his way in nine out of ten times to not disrespect him, not disrespect people. The one time he called someone out, which was Gumroad, I was like, oh, well, Gumroad must be bad because Nathan never is rude. Right. Do you think that being rude has its benefits or are you going to try and be like a, the, the nice guy? Um, Both. I think. I think being a kind of call out artist has its benefits is very addictive. Um, you could be right. You could be wrong. Kind of doesn't matter. You're provocative. People will pay attention to you. People will fight with you. It, it def definitely draws attention. So if your goal is attention, it definitely works. Having said that doesn't really generate a lot of positive, like positivity in your life and doesn't add a lot of value typically. Sure. Unless you go full on like a WWE character, which is what I consider like Scott Galloway to be. Um, where they just, you know, hey, I'm going to take this super strong stance. I'm going to argue it. And like, you know, if I'm wrong, like the truth kind of the truth or accuracy is like sort of secondary. I wouldn't say it's not important, but it's secondary. Like the more important thing is to have like strong opinions that get shared, that get read, that get commented on, that cause a debate. Because that's the um, that's what makes uh, that's what makes that's what drives clicks, that's what drives followers, things like that. So there's strategically I see that advantage life you know, like life EV, I think it's kind of net negative. And, um, but I also don't think you should just be like Mr. Nice. We know a bunch of people that are like this, that will talk mad shit in text messages to us, but they won't then publicly they'll suck up to those people. And it's like that, that is disgusting to me that I actually judge the worst. <laughs> I would rather, you know, just speak my mind, but sometimes realize that like, you know, a I'm wrong, uh, you know, more often than I'm right. And B like, uh, sometimes it's just not worth the hassle. Like you just don't, you don't need to say anything at all. You could just kind of go on with your day. Um, Is there any time that you've been rude to someone on the internet and you've lost sleep over it? No, no. Can't really? Say, can't say really? that that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy to me. That is crazy to me. That You do that? You you feel bad? You feel guilty or something? Or what, what happens? Yeah, sometimes I'll say something to someone. I'm like, oh, man, I I, I was too rude. I, I came off well, like, cold. <laughs> I'll question it. Like, I'll say, ah, that was maybe a bit much. Or like, uh, you know, I should have just stayed out of it or whatever. But it, I don't like, I guess loose sleep just sounds so serious. Um, like, for example, when I wrote that <laughs> Clubhouse that thread, serious. <laughs> when I wrote that Clubhouse thread, I remember getting a message from, um, I won't say their name, but somebody I, I respect, I admire, somebody super smart. And somebody who's kind of like, you know, Loosely affiliated with that, you know, sure. like the project. So, um, and they were like, oh man, this Twitter thread, like, you know, I'm torn on one hand, amazing storytelling. And I think you might be right. Um, on the other hand, I don't really like, you know, tearing down like a startup, like, you know, startups are, you know, small, fragile things. Like, you know, I don't really like teardowns in general. We should be building each other up. Um, but like, you know, this was a, you know, whatever this was like, it was super interesting the way you wrote it. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I think that's right. Like, I think that's a fair, I think that's a really fair point. Like, you know, 
Uh, I have nothing against them. I, it's not like I wanted it. I was not like I was rooting for it right. to, to fail or anything like that. I just thought this is what might happen based on my previous experience in the space. And I thought this is how it might play out. And I just wrote it and I just sent it. And I thought, oh, you know, there's something to that. You know, I don't really want to, you know, even though I know I could make it my thing to be the teardown guy, I don't like where that leads me. Um, right, right, right. That's a, that's a, I don't want to corner myself in that area. So, you know what, like, let's just, uh, what I'll often do is I'll say, I'll say it. And I'll say, let me see how that goes. Let me see how I feel about that. And maybe later I'll say, ah, you know what? I should have just stayed out of it or I shouldn't have said that, or that was too harsh or whatever. And, um, uh, okay. Lesson learned, but I just sort of move on from it. I don't really like, you know, dwell on it. It's like, I, I'm okay. Float, you know, like it's a trial balloon. It's like, let me just send, put that out there. I'll do this with ideas all the time too. I'll be like, I want to do X. Anybody want to work on this with me? And then people will DM me and I'll be like, uh, you know, after I see how kind of like the first three days went and I kind of slept on the idea a little bit, like, no, I'm, I'm just not doing that. And I think right. people find that very strange. And like, but for me, I'm like, I don't know, this is like an experimental platform. Like I'm not like, uh, I don't know. It's not that serious. Uh, it's okay to like say something and change your mind, <laughs> you know, based on, you know, further reflection or information. That's okay. Like when you tweeted out that you're going to put X amount of your net worth into crypto and then someone automatically wrote an article about it and you're like, well, you know, like there's, it's a discussion. <laughs> no, no, I did that one. Uh, but but you know, that's the funny thing. Like uh, this happens all the time. People could tell you when they buy. They don't usually tell you when they sell um, and or they don't tell you if they hold. Right. Like they don't tell you in either direction. So people make a whole lot of assumptions about things uh, like, you know, somebody told me I remember somebody told me the stock was great. And then like it uh, turned out to be dog shit. I was like, oh, man, we we got busted on that one. He's like, no, I sold it like at, at the top. <laughs> I was like, dude, where was my message for that? Like, you know, <laughs> you only told me That's the hilarious. buy part. <laughs> um. All right. I think that was a that was a lively discussion. Was that is that the pod or you want to do one more? Um, no, that's the pod. Let's, I have a bunch of other topics, but yeah, that we have to save them for Monday. Yeah, we have a bunch it. of cool people. We have Austin Reef from Morning Brew coming on. Uh, formerly my nemesis, now one of my great friends. He's going to come but who on. Who are the cool people that are coming on? <laughs> Got him. <laughs> we have a bunch. People of, don't we, know this, we, by the way. Austin Sawhill. These are our friends. We we make fun of each other all the time, and uh, you know. It's just a it's just a competition to see who can who can get the right zing in on the, on the other person uh, at the right time. We have Austin. Do we have anyone else interesting coming up? Uh, we got the founder of Whoop is coming on. Uh, we're gonna do another um, Millie Millie, or, Millie Awards where we do our end of year awards with Andrew Wilkinson. A th- you know the three year tradition now, and uh, I think that's that's kind of the most popular episode of the year. So so that one's coming up. And then early next year, we're having the return of Deer Deck. Oh, oh he's coming, back, coming back, dude. Rob's been on a tear. I, 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 we, I think Jonathan booked him. We got in a little bit early. Uh, we were early on his podcast journey. I, I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, he's been on, he was on impulsive the other day and I watch all of them, man. He's inspiring. The guy's awesome. He's great. He's the real deal. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to that. All right. That's the pod. That's the pod.